What would you give to increase sales by 8% of your restaurant? Restaurants leveraging the power of Yelp Guest Manager paired with Yelp ads. Enjoy up to an 8% monthly lift in diner bookings through Yelp. It makes sense, right? Millions of people use Yelp every day to find restaurants. And they're using that same trusted platform to book reservations and add themselves to wait lists. Your restaurant could be busier today. To learn more, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash podcast or call 877-571-9357 and quote podcast. Yelp Internal Data 2021. Based on average results from a sample study of restaurants with guest manager that purchased Yelp ads between April and July 2021 in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York City. Results may vary. Now here we go. And a lot of us have been taught that humility is not a desirable trait in leadership. But my opinion, my humble opinion, is it's the best trait that you can have. It's not weak at all. It's actually the strongest trait, and it's so powerful. And when you exude humility, people feel that, and that makes the journey of this life so much better. And after all, isn't that what we all really want at the end of the day? Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. What are we talking about when we use words like attention, bandwidth, and focus? We're talking about energy. And I'd argue that we're an industry that wastes a lot of it. But what if we didn't? What if every ounce of our effort was used to get us that much closer to the life we've dreamed of? Well, as it turns out, there's a proven process to live our optimal lives. And Rob Dube is here to share it with us today. It's called the 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy. And it changed my life. And today, Rob and I are going to run through some of my favorite disciplines. It all started with blow pop lollipops. <laughs> when I was 14 years old, I started selling these blow pop lollipops out of my locker with my best friend. His name's Joel Perlman. He's still my best friend. And the two of us just had this entrepreneurial bug that bit us. We were entrepreneurs through high school and college. When we got out of college, we started our first business together and we still own it 30 years later. And who could have known? But what I really didn't know was this path that it was taking me down of self-discovery. I am so grateful to entrepreneurship and this business for teaching me about the importance of self-discovery and how I really need to wake up each and every day and think about how I could be a better person in this world. And one thing led to another, and I'm really truncating the story now, but and my latest project is with a close, close friend by the name of Gino Wickman, who created the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS. And we are out to affect one million souls in this world with the 10 disciplines for managing and maximizing your energy. So hopefully that kind of gives a good starting point for our conversations, Josh. I want to tease out the thesis with you because there are a lot of people listening. Restaurateurs typically work 80 to 100 hours. They're busy people, right? And so we've just kind of let the cat out of the bag. This is an episode on personal development, which I think a lot of people would say, I don't have time for that shit. 
<laughs> right? Like I'm trying to run a business. If you can make me a better business person. Especially a restaurant. Exactly. If you can teach me how to hire better or to retain better, if you can teach me these really practical things, I'll listen. But if it's about personal development, I don't need a life coach. And my thesis has been since diving into personal development that personal development is professional development. And so talk to me about how focusing on personal development, focusing on these disciplines can benefit your life. Well, let me start actually, because prior to our conversation, I was thinking a lot about the restaurant business. Like many, restaurant tours are fascinating. It's so creative. And then you, there's so many moving parts to it. And, you know, there's the staffing and the way you outfit the place and the way you run the hospitality aspect. You got to get the food right and all the things that I can imagine must go wrong. So I was really thinking a lot about some of the things you said. And I think when we talk about self-development to a certain extent, as it relates to that industry or any industry for that matter, we want to show up and be our best for our team members first. And they feel that energy. And when they feel that energy, that translates into doing better stuff all around, whether it be with the clients that are coming into the restaurant or your business or how you're servicing your business, your vendors, and then how you show up in the community. And that starts to create a certain energy that just exudes from your place, you know, and people just want to be around it. They're drawn to it. They don't oftentimes even know why. They just know. And I think for those that are successful people in the restaurant industry, and you know this way better than I do, most of the time there is something that draws people back in and it's a certain energy. And it might be a different kind of energy every time, but it comes from the leader, you know, the person who started the establishment. And so if there's any convincing needing to be about why we should work on ourselves, let's just start on the business side of things. And that we've just done. Now, why personally? I mean, look, we want to show up and be great people in this world. The world's not all about us. We know that. We have our stuff going on in our lives. And so does everyone else that we pass on the street. They have their things. And so when we could show up and just be more compassionate people in this world, again, that same energy is just drawn our way. And it's just a much more peaceful way to go through life and be able to handle all the challenges that come our way because those aren't going to ever go away and be able to handle the wonderful things that come our way because those aren't going away either. Well, and when you talk about 10 disciplines to maximize energy. Yeah. I think that it's described beautifully, but for those that are thrown off by the idea of maximizing energy, what we're talking about here is harnessing focus. These are the things you need to pay attention to in this manner in order to maximize your output, whether we're talking about productivity, level of happiness, the results within your personal and professional life. Some things that we do serve all facets of our lives. And this is certainly one of those things. Yeah. I mean, our hope is that you start to gain control of your life, live a more optimal life, whatever optimal means to you. What it means to us is it's really everything that's possible for you. And without getting too woo-woo here, it's everything your soul really wants you to be. 
And if you can pause and think about that in your busy day for just a moment and consider it, even if it feels a little, you know, just consider it for a moment. Because when you start to gain control of, I'll just say time to a certain extent, because that's the most precious thing you have, you start to get space. And that space is both up here in your mind and it's space around you. And that allows for you to go maybe just a smidge deeper so you can show up in a much better way. And maybe some of those dramas that are going on in our minds don't take on that same edge that they may have normally. Well, and I know everybody's wondering as they're listening. So, okay, what are the 10 disciplines? And we certainly <laughs> don't have time to unpack all 10 here, but if you're good with it, I'd love to unpack a few of my favorites. Sure. So the first is 10-year thinking. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what 10-year thinking is. So you imagine yourself 10 years from now. What does it look like? If you're listening now, I would encourage you and invite you to maybe even close your eyes and just take five or 10 seconds and just imagine what your life looks like 10 years from this moment. You Maybe you're in a certain type of relationship. You know, Maybe there's things that you want in your life and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, once you sort of have that picture in your mind's eye, you come back to reality, the what's happening in this moment right here, right now. And this is shifting our minds from short-term thinking to thinking, in this case, in 10-year timeframes. So time now slows down because you realize those things that you pictured 10 years from now, they don't have to happen right now. You have 10 years to get there. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. So you can slow down, actually. You can think a little. Take a little bit of the urgency away because you got 10 years to get there. And there's such power in that. And when time slows down, you actually make better decisions, more thoughtful decisions. And the funny thing that ends up happening for many people is when you make more thoughtful decisions, you actually get to those places faster than you imagined. So that's a lot of the power in 10-year thinking. What's the best place to start? So if I wanted to start my process of 10-year thinking, because we're talking about the power of long-term thinking, right? And it all sounds great, slowing down, being more mindful. I have certainly made poor decisions. Like when we open restaurants, there's a sense of urgency to do it. We're already paying rent. And so we make a lot, especially in the final months leading up to the opening of the restaurant, it's just a series of terrible decisions back to back to back to back to back because you'd rather be open and dealing with the ramifications of that than the ramifications of not being open and not generating yeah. revenue. But again, if you take that beat and you think long term, there are so many benefits. Where would you start if someone's bought into that idea? Well, let me answer two things here. First, I, that's a great example. And if prior to opening, if this is possible and you can think, wow, what do I want this establishment, this restaurant to look like in 10 years. Well, that's a great starting point in itself. Three, four, five sentences, maybe a paragraph or two on what it's like. You might even imagine it vividly. 
And then when you bring it back to the present moment where you're opening and you're making mistakes and you're frustrated and you're caught up, instead, maybe you can slow down and laugh in the sense that you don't have to slow down the mistakes and trying to get all these things done, knowing that you're going to make mistakes, but you slow down and say, hey, this is just a point in time. I will be past this because I've got a 10-year outlook here and this is just part of the process because believe me, we all make mistakes for sure. So then if you want to oversimplify it for starters, back to that kind of exercise I mentioned, just think ahead 10 years from now and maybe think of one way that your life looks. I mean, just start there. Just start one thing. It could be a word. It could be peace. It could be successful. Whatever makes sense to you, keep it as simple as possible because some people do have a hard time thinking out that far. Gosh, thinking two days from now for some people is very challenging. And I get it, believe me. But start practicing, start working the muscle and start simple. The next discipline I want to talk about is say no often. (laughs) And I guess to start this conversation, what are we saying no to? What problem are we solving for here? (laughs) Well, we always say, say no to everything that doesn't fit into the first five disciplines. So no worries there because we don't have time to obviously to go through all of them. But it starts with saying no with the things that are not in alignment with moving you forward in your life. It means not fear of missing out, not FOMO, not taking that meeting that's going to be three weeks from now that you're going to look and see it on your calendar and dread, why did I say yes to that? Or that party that you got invited to and you feel compelled to say yes. And then that afternoon, you start feeling sick in your stomach that you have to go and do that when you would much rather be spending time in a different sort of way. So. That's the power of that. Again, it's about getting some control and it's about getting your time back. Now, there are many ways to gracefully say no. So there's a personality profiling tool called the Enneagram. And if you're familiar with it, my profile is type three, type two, which means type three is the helper and type two is the achiever. So you ask me, I'm a helper. Yes, of course. And then once I say yes, I'm all in to help it be successful. So when I say yes, it's like a real big time commitment, like no doubt. So I've really had to learn how important that is to really pause and really think about that. Now, if I'm going to say no, I want to provide maybe a resource. Here's someone that you might want to talk to. Or in your case, you have a podcast. Maybe you say you don't fit on this podcast, but maybe... There's this other podcast that I think might be a good fit. I happen to know the person. I'll connect the two of you. Those that you become useful. So if there's any guilt involved with your no, you've now become also a lifter up. You're able to help the person as well. So you most definitely can be graceful with your no's. It's not a snub. And I think that wanting to be helpful is a noble pursuit. But FOMO is a much bigger motivator, especially in our industry. When I look at especially all of the events, so there are all of these events you get once you reach a certain level of success as a restaurateur, they want you at LA Food and Wine and LA's Chef's Festival and this festival and that festival. And you don't pay to do it, but you don't get paid to do it. So 
it's time, it's effort, it's bandwidth, but then you find out these other restaurants are there that are in your tier and competitive. And so you go grind it out. You refuse to say no. You say yes to everything, every opportunity, every little league, everything. And I mean, it just sucks the life out of you slowly, but surely. But again, it has more to do with trying to become this omnipresent, omni-channel brand than it does with really serving your highest need, which is profitability, right? And balance in life. Yeah. And so as I was going through the disciplines myself, just as a quick aside and experience share, what I found was they are all incredibly simple, but it would be a mistake to think that they're easy. Mm-hmm. because there's a chasm between simple and easy. <laughs> and those two things are certainly not synonymous. And saying no is a very difficult thing to start to totally. do. You know, just to build on one thing that you were saying about being all over the place, but losing that focus about what's most important, that balance, that profitability, an exercise one could do is to set boundaries. So Take a quiet 10 minutes, it won't take you any longer, and just set your boundaries. Like there's 10 food shows, I'm only going to do four. So I will have a presence, it's just not going to be at every single one, et cetera, et cetera. So just set your boundaries. So when you're asked, you can check your boundary list and you can know where it fits on the boundary list. And if it doesn't, stay true to it and say no. I mean, even if you just reduced, let's just say, 25% of the yeses that you've been giving, you just got 25% of your time back. And how can you utilize that in a more wise way? And I think it brings up a really great point here, which is these aren't the 10 lessons or the 10 proverbs. These are the 10 disciplines, (laughs) Yeah, right? These are things that you have to work at that are not necessarily easy to do and easy to do consistently and on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. But saying no more often, whether it's to as an owner covering a dishwasher shift, right, just pay the overtime or the double time or whatever it takes, because you're worth more than that to your business. Yes. Or passing on events or deals or new locations that won't further whatever your actual goals are. That's right. Believe in yourself. You know, if you have tenure thinking back to that, if there was a deal that was going to be impactful potentially that you sort of missed out on, maybe I got to believe if you're a true talent, you're going to have so many deals coming your way in the next 10 years. Your problem's actually going to be what deals to take. <laughs> right. 100%. And I think it brings us to the next discipline, which is. Don't do $25 an hour work. (laughs) Right. Now, in our industry, we're like, who's getting paid $25 an hour? (laughs) Right? Great point. That's a fortune. I would take that job. Uh, I mean, many of us are either working for free or paying to work for free. And I would argue that in large part, it goes back to this idea of doing $25 an hour work and how it is a poor use of our time. Can you talk to me about the principle and the discipline, the thesis behind it? Yeah. And I might not be able to relate it as well to the restaurant industry. So you help me on that. And first of all, I always like to caveat by saying, and and everyone in your industry knows, there's nothing wrong with $25 an hour work or less. That's important work. And there's people out there that need that work, want to do that work. And so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just as a leader, as an owner, of a restaurant, 
or a business, you want to add your true value, the value that you bring to this world. And it's likely not in that pay grade. It's above that pay grade. Now, look, we're all willing to roll up our sleeves. You're not in the position that you are because you weren't willing to do that at some point already. If you got to go wash the dishes, then you're going to go wash the dishes. And you know how important that is. So that's adding value when needed. But in the grand scheme of things, you want to look at what you're doing and ask yourself, what's the pay grade here? I seem to be spending 75% of my time in a pay grade that's around $25 an hour, yet I have all the ownership in this establishment and I'm taking on all the risk and I can't sleep. That makes no sense. So to the degree that you can begin to slowly, it doesn't have to be all at once, but start to delegate some of these items that are in that pay grade, you start to free up that space as we spoke at the outset. And then it's a matter of how do you use that space more wisely? You go maybe deeper inside, listen to your soul, what your soul wants you to be, wants you to do. Or maybe there's other things at this moment. You're not ready for that part, but you might be ready for more impactful things. Maybe that's where you're out setting those meetings and talking to those deal makers. You know, it's the next big win for your establishment, whatever that means. You're just using your time more wisely. And just one last thing I always like to say about it has to do with income. If you get into business, there's one part that's you kind of allowing your creative side to come out. And then there's another side that you hope for some upside there for the risk that you're taking, the investment that you're making, or if you have investors to make sure that they get a return on their investment. And if you're doing $25 an hour work, that's $50,000 annual salary. And I don't think that's why you're in business. You're likely wanting to be in the six-figure range. So if you just want to be at the minimum six-figure, you better be doing at least $50 an hour work. But I'm thinking you probably might even want to be beyond that. And you can just do the math, pick what you think your income, you would like your income to be and do the math. And then every time you're doing something, say, I want to make 200000 Am I doing 100 hour an hour work right now? No, this is 25 hour an hour work. That's $50,000. i am not doing the right things right now. It's a trap. And the trap specifically to our industry is this. It's you start out as a busser, barback, whatever. You work your way up through the ranks, eventually becoming a manager. And then at some point, you either become an equity partner or you start your own business. And all you've ever known is management. So when you take over, you now own your own business, but you're only functioning in the capacity of a manager because that's all you've ever known. And the reason I want to poke that sore spot is because I think the hardest part, and it's one of the things that this discipline requires of you is you say, well, if I'm not going to do $25 an hour work, what the heck am I going to do with my time? What does my day look like if I'm not actively managing the floor? I spoke to a restaurateur recently and I said, what do you think you're best in the world at? And he goes, storytelling. I love to get on TikTok, evangelize this brand and do all of that. And I said, well, and do you think that translates to more revenue? And he goes, yeah. And I said, amazing. How many hours a day, how many hours a week do you spend working on this? And he's like, two or three. And I'm like, well, shit, what do you spend the rest of your time doing? And he's like, everything that's not that, we're doing the schedule and covering this shift and talking with patrons and this and that. 
And again, like that's the trap. That's the trap that you fall into. I think that the best place to start here, and this is what you advocate for, is that you get really clear on what your highest and best use is. And then going back to the last discipline we covered, you say no to everything that's not that. I think we worry about delegating because we worry that we're the only ones that can do it. And I think we also worry about delegating, especially in hospitality, because the margins are so tight that we can't afford it. Not realizing that some investments are actually expenses, right? And we just misunderstand the dynamic. But some expenses are actually investments. In delegating that to an hourly employee that's making between $15 and $25 an hour, you might actually free yourself up to add even more value to your own business. And I also wonder, and you would know better than I would, but by delegating and placing trust in that person, in a sense, you're lifting them up, you're mentoring them, you're teaching them, and now they get to see what they're made of. Are they going to step and and improve in their career and feel better about themselves? So there's a trickling effect here that could take place. I want to get into the next discipline. It's my absolute favorite and probably an unexpected one. It's prepare every night. Oh, you like that one. Oh, dude, it's it's a game changer. (laughs) Game changer. I mean, to be fully transparent, I actually use the EOS journal. And so I find it to be a fantastic tool to get this done. Great. Because it requires you to prepare for tomorrow, today. And then at the end of the day, as you're preparing for the following day, you're also reviewing that day's action items and wins and notes on the day. High level, talk to me about what preparation looks like and the benefits of preparation. It's so simple, yet so powerful, this one. And, you know, simply stated before your head hits the pillow every night, prepare for the next day. And so you use the EOS journal and there's a lot of tools out there. And so you're simply taking about 10 minutes and you're just looking at essentially your schedule for the next day. What's happening from the time your feet hit the ground in the morning to when you're ready to call it quits and do this again. And by doing that, you start to insert all of this information into your mind. And then Along those lines, there's things that you want to be prepared for, problems that you're probably going to have to solve, things of that nature. And while you're sleeping, and you'll probably sleep better, by the way, because you'll know exactly what you got going on the next day, but your mind, your subconscious is doing some work for you, actually. So when you do get up, you maybe you're getting your coffee or doing whatever your routine is, you all of a sudden have a light bulb moment, but you don't really know where it came from or why. And that's because you prepared, you slowed down and you stopped for 10 minutes and you kind of looked through the next day's plan. And then high level, your mind just does the work and you hit the ground running. Well, in the last element I want to bring up when it comes to preparation, because it's touched on and I think it is too important to overlook, is gratitude. That A huge part of it is What are you thankful for? What went well in your week last week? And what are you going to do to make sure this week goes well? And it's a question that we don't ask ourselves often enough, but it's, you know, what's working? What's not working? You know, you may have this experience as well. Whenever I talk about gratitude, people, they almost interrupt me halfway through and go, oh, I know I should do that more often. I always forget. 
<laughs> so there's no convincing in the power mm-hmm. of it, you know, but just to reinforce the idea on top of what you said, there's such power in even just saying one thing before you go to sleep or when you wake up in the morning or sometime in between, whatever makes sense, get in a routine if you can, if you're that kind of person to just say one thing that you're really grateful for. And it could be so simple. It could be somebody who smiled at you as you passed them walking down the street or who held the door open for you. It could be that simple. Now, if you want to take it to a whole nother level, you could journal. I mean, you could probably write for a good two, three, maybe even five minutes when you really start thinking and going through your day about all the amazing things that happen. And when you do that, your brain starts to rewire and it starts to notice that magic throughout the day as you're going through it versus what we're sort of more wired to do, which is notice all the things that are going wrong and getting really irritated, frustrated, anxious about them all. <laughs> so there's such power in the gratitude. Let's talk about the practical application of being humble. What does it look like and what are the benefits? First of all, it's about viewing yourself as an equal to every person on the planet. I imagine, but I'm not sure, again, you'll know better and as will your listeners, but in your kind of business where there's so many different kinds of people, you've got to have some level of equality in knowing that whatever your job is, if you're not all doing them well, the whole thing starts to break. That's the really cool thing that I've always felt about my observations of the restaurant business. And it's interesting, they, when you think about humility and arrogance, they actually have similar definitions. And I'll read them to you. I have them in front of me. Humble is your estimate of your own importance in comparison to others. And arrogant is the way you view your level of importance in comparison to others. So bottom line is arrogant people do feel more important. And it's very subtle. So pay close attention. And a lot of us have been taught that Humility is not a desirable trait in leadership, but my opinion, my humble opinion, is it's the best trait that you can have. It's not weak at all. It's actually the strongest trait, and it's so powerful. And when you exude humility, people feel that, and that makes the journey of this life so much better. And after all, isn't that what we all really want at the end of the day? People are just drawn to that. And imagine having other humble people around you all the time. Wouldn't that have a, bring a certain ease to your life? I imagine it would. The last discipline I want to cover is put everything in one place. Again, <laughs> like super simple, not that easy to do, but a total game changer. Let's start with the definition. What do you mean by everything? Yeah, so we have a lot coming at us throughout the day, tons of information, ideas, commitments, thoughts, action items, promises. So what we want you to do here is pick the one place where you're going to capture all of those things and have it by your side. It might be your smartphone. For me, I have one of these remarkable tablets. They're kind of like paper. My business partner, Gino Wickman, uses a yellow legal pad, kind of the old-fashioned way. Some use journals. So whatever it is, just pick your one place, have it by your side. And when you're having a conversation, you're in a meeting, an idea pops in your head, jot it all down in that one place. And at the end of the day, when you're sort of wrapping things up, take about 20 minutes and go through everything that you wrote down. And hopefully you can start to compartmentalize them. 
this is a meeting I need to schedule for next week. This is something I'm going to delegate to this person. This is something I need to call a loved one, and I'm going to do that on my way home, et cetera. Compartmentalize them all and then move on to the next page for the next day. What usually happens for people is they don't have their one place. So they're grabbing a loose piece of paper, a post-it note. They're trying to remember. They figure they'll remember it later, but they don't. They're typing notes and emailing themselves or texting themselves. And there's all these different places that all this stuff ends up. And it causes a great deal of anxiety. And in almost a worse part of it is as a leader, as a person in this world, you're actually letting people down and you kind of don't even realize it, especially people that you work with. Oftentimes they won't point that out to you. So you just become known as somebody who doesn't follow through on their promises and action items. And I know at your core, you don't want that to be the case. So put it all in one place. You'll have it organized. It's a simple tool. It's a simple practice. And you'll stop letting people down. You'll feel less anxious. Well, and that's a two-parter. I want to make sure we unpack that completely. It's not just about writing everything down in one place and then just leaving it for months at a time. It's, of course. it's very important that you reference it nightly, that you process yeah. all of those notes. And that's not to say that you couldn't have, I think Tim Ferriss calls it a swipe file, right? Where it's these mm -hmm. quotes, these images, oh, I saw this at another restaurant. I want to steal oh, yeah. it. Maybe I'll use their beverage napkins, this, that, the other thing. I like to look at these banquettes. But for the action items, for all of the little notes, I need to follow up with this guy. I promised this guy I would get him this. I promised this person I would give them this schedule. This person wants to move into this role within the restaurant. In processing that nightly, in knocking it out, it's a total game changer. People say all the time, they go, man, you're really on your stuff. Like, you're on it. And it's because I end every night prepared. All of these disciplines bleed into each other. It's a very holistic system. It is. It really is. They do. It's like a puzzle and they are very much interconnected and they are called disciplines for, for a reason. You do have to do them on a regular basis to make it all kind of come together and work. You don't have to be perfect because we're not perfect at anything, but you do have to bring them all together. This is an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to offer? Wow. I think about my inexperience in your industry. So it gives me pause to offer any kind of advice. So, you know, I think what I'll say more as words of encouragement of a proprietor of different establishments, how happy you all make people and how invested we all are in the work that you do. And it could be a donut shop, I heard you had a person who had a donut shop on recently, you know, or it could be the highest end restaurant. I had the unique opportunity to take my family to 11 Madison in, in New Amazing. York City recently. And, you know, so it doesn't matter which spectrum it is. And it's everything in between. If you say, hey, I'm going on a trip and I say where and you say Dallas and inevitably somebody's going to say, oh, there's the best barbecue place there. So you all bring such smiles and happiness and memories to us. And, and so I'm so grateful to your listeners for that. And if you ever have those stressful days, just know that that's what you're bringing to this world. It really is special. And I'm in awe of it, quite frankly. That's Rob Duke. To check out the course for yourself at a discounted rate, visit the 10disciplinescom 
forward slash full comp. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.